Hey, my name is Lucas, and I want to welcome you to the official podcast of Coastline Young Adults from Coastline Church in Victoria. This podcast is dedicated to encouraging you in your faith and helping you apply it to real life in real time. Here you'll find messages from our weekly service at Coastline Nights and other conversations where we talk and tackle what it means to be a follower of Jesus in today's culture. Everything you find here will point you to the truth and hope of Jesus. So grab a beverage, enjoy the message, and lean into how God wants to speak to you today. Hey, good evening, everyone. Thanks so much for being here. Oh, it's gonna be it's gonna be a great night. And I know you're all like, just get to baptisms already. That's why we're here. But more than that, more than what's happening just in the tank, I really am excited to start off our series uh, in Acts. And it is Pentecost Sunday, and that's important. That's Pentecost Sunday, and what that really means is it's something powerful for the church. It's something powerful for us now. And I just want to like hear me for a moment. This is really exciting, exciting stuff to talk about, but more than just the Holy Spirit moving and, and baptisms happening tonight, Acts is, Acts is literally the beginning of the early church. And I think if, as we gather here tonight in church, as we're here tonight in the house of God, that we would actually take a moment and recognize that beautiful history. And that's where we want to go with this. And so I, I, I am excited. It's going to be a long series. I'm not going to lie to you, okay? We're going to be here for like 15 weeks. Uh, I plan on doing throughout the whole summer, which I am really excited about. Um, and I want to encourage you too. Maybe for you, this is a time to grab your Bible, dust it off the shelf, right? And actually like grab, grab some markers and like underline and highlight, like journey with your community together, with the people beside you as we roll through a book. It's really helpful to your soul. And I believe it's going to be enjoyable for your mind. The book of Acts is kind of part two of Luke's gospel. Same writer. He definitely wrote both. He's a friend to the Apostle Paul. He has come. He's kind of traveled with Paul. They've done a lot of ministry. And then Paul's under house arrest in Rome. And in that moment, for the next kind of three or four years, he kind of just takes a step back himself, Luke, and he says, you know what? As Paul's in, in, in house arrest and still doing work, now I'm going to start penning and writing and talking to sources. And, and there's this guy, and I've said it before, this, Luke is a doctor, and he's left his practice to become a missionary, to, to serve God, to, to plant churches. And here we have both the Gospel of Luke and then right into the Acts of the Apostles or the Book of Acts. And it really is written, again, as a, as a historical narrative for us to recognize recognize and see the early church. It also sheds a light on the gifts of the Holy Spirit who empowers and guides and, and quietly kind of teaches and convicts in your soul and serves as our counselor, as our advocate, as our helper, who gives us power to live out the fulfillment of that great commission. And so I know, again, it seems like, oh, exciting, Acts, can we just get to there? But trust me, there's wisdom here. There's beauty here. There's excitement here. There's joy to be found. Also, we're going to read a lot of text tonight. Are you ready for that? We're going to read like, that's what I thought. Cool. Yeah, we get a little more excited about baptisms than that. That's fine. That's okay. I get it. But I am going to read a lot of text, but I promise we're going to unpack a lot tonight. And it's all, it's all going to come together, especially when it comes to baptisms. If you have a Bible, go to Acts chapter 1, verse 1. Okay, right from the top. There's a blue Bible in front of you, or it'll be on the screens behind me. In my former book, Theophilus, I wrote about all that Jesus began to do and teach until the day he was taken up to the heaven after giving instructions through the Holy Spirit to the apostles he had chosen. After his suffering, he presented himself to them and gave many convincing proofs that he was alive. He appeared to them over a period of 40 days and spoke about the kingdom of God. On one occasion, while he was eating with them, he gave this command, 
do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Then they gathered around him and asked him, Lord, are are you at this time going to restore the kingdom of Israel? Quick pause here for a moment. Many Jews believe that the Messiah would come and overthrow Rome. Like that was their actual goal, to come and give them political power, to come and give them, you know, military, like military power, to come and give them control of their land again. But that, that isn't how Jesus came. We all know that. He came to refresh them and re- renew them spiritually. And so for them, this is, I think, a fair question. The disciples are saying, hey, now that you've risen from the dead and you're like a superhuman, superpowers, like all this, you know, can you now do this thing that we've all been waiting for? And he says, no, he says, actually, it is, not for, it is not for you to know the times or dates the Father has set by his own authority. But, okay, verse eight, this is a good verse, this is a great verse, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. After he said this, he was taken up before their very eyes and a cloud hid him from their sight. There were two, there were, excuse me, They were looking intently up into the sky as he was going when suddenly two men dressed in white stood beside them. Men of Galilee, they said, why do you stand here looking into the sky? The same Jesus who has been taken from you into heaven will come back in the same way you've seen him go. So again, lots to unpack there. The opening lines in Acts, laying out the early church to see the world enlightened of the gospel, and they would first need to be empowered by the Holy Spirit. And Jesus gives them very specific instructions. Did you notice this? He says, do not leave but wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. Don't leave, stay and wait for the gift. And I think stay and wait is like the best worst things ever to hear from the Lord. It's like the worst thing, right? Like it's so challenging when God is like, I just want you to wait on this for a moment. I just want you to wait for something. Can you just, can you just go into a season of waiting and you're like, no, like it's really, it's really challenging. Like if there's anything about faith that's challenging, it's waiting on for God to, to resolve something that you want resolved. It's waiting on that next step. It's waiting on that, that healing. It's waiting on whatever it is you're waiting for, that, that change of season you're looking for. Whatever it is, waiting is so challenging, isn't it? Yet, I really believe this with all my heart, and I, I know I preach about waiting a lot, so I don't want to belabor this tonight, but sometimes waiting on God is the only thing you can do. Like, you're out of options. And the only thing you can do is actually sit back, quiet yourself, humble yourself before the Lord, and wait. Sometimes waiting is the best thing you can do, even though it's often the hardest thing you can do. And I just want to say, if you are a Christian here tonight, I want you to know that every single, every Christian in their life will endure seasons of waiting. Like, I just, I need you to know that, like, no way around that, one, two, like, it is what it is. Every Christian in their life endures seasons of waiting. It just happens. It's a part of life. And it's important because to wait means, to wait for something that God can only give you means you can't create it yourself. You don't have the power to manifest something that only comes from the Spirit. And it's a challenging thought, but it's really true that there's no power outside of, you know, just what I can cultivate. I actually have to wait for the Lord. And I, that's how I receive it. To wait means to be tested, to be challenged, to be purified, built up. To wait means something was worth waiting for. Instantly when I think of, man, what's worth waiting for? Like, I instantly think of my daughter. 
when I'm like, was waiting to be dad for the first time, and Georgia was on her way, and we didn't even know it was a girl at that point, like, just so exciting, it was just month after month after month after month, and you're like, can this hurry up, can this hurry up, can this hurry, and then finally, like, now Trina's like six days overdue, and we're doing walks, we're doing all the things, it was a stressful time for me, like, honestly, like, the whole pregnancy thing, hard on me, you know? She's not here, so I can say that and not get in trouble. Even the, even the, the delivery. No, I'm just kidding. I'm not even going to go there. <laughs> She's my hero. She's my hero. But you understand what I'm saying? And then finally, when she was born, Georgia, and, and the nurse picks her up and says, look, Dad, and you get to see her for the first time. It's so worth the wait. To wait means to, it's worth waiting for. And, and I think in this context as well, to wait means that they knew they had a promise from Jesus that it would happen. Isn't that what Jesus said? He Didn't he say that in verse, in verse 4? He literally says to them, wait for the gift my father promised. Friends, if Jesus said he would do it, he will do it. You can trust God. If he spoke something, he will, he will see it to completion. If he started something in your life, he will continue to follow it through. You can trust him. He is there. He's responding. There might be a season of waiting, but it doesn't mean, no, it's just the process we have to walk through. And that's the beautiful piece of this, that this Holy Spirit is finally coming, not for just a moment. The Holy Spirit would fall on a prophet to speak to a specific group at a specific time, but something is changing here. The Holy Spirit, he is finding his home in our hearts now all together. And this is what's so powerful, is that it's not just for a specific person at a specific time. It's for anyone who will just sit and wait and call on the Lord. The Old Testament was God over us. The New Testament, God with us. Emmanuel, Jesus. And now it's God in us. And everything is changing. And this is all part of God's plan. I think sometimes specifically young adults, when we look at Acts and Acts 2 and the Holy Spirit and the day of Pentecost and tongues of fire, we kind of get freaked out by it. And, and I think we sometimes feel like it just popped out of nowhere. What's going on here? But the Spirit of God is woven through the entire text of the Bible. Genesis 1-2, the earth was without shape and empty, and empty and darkness was over the surface of the watery deep, but the Spirit of God was moving over the surface of water. It's the second verse of the whole Bible. Exodus 36 God saying to the Israelites, I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit within you. And I will put my spirit in the midst of you, he says. How about the judges of Israel? We just heard about Gideon from Zach last week. Like, then the spirit of the Lord came upon Gideon and he blew the trumpet. Samson, and the spirit of the Lord began to stir in him. That's Judges 13. Daniel, he, there's this moment where Daniel, of course, is, is called by Nebuchadnezzar, the king at that point, because nobody can interpret his dream. And this is what he says. He says, listen, he called Belshazzar, who was Daniel, and after, he named him after a different god. And the spirit, he said, the spirit of the holy gods is in you. Now interpret my dream. The spirit is upon you. How about David, the psalmist? He says, do not cast me from your presence or take your holy spirit from me. Psalm 51, where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? Psalm 139, friends, and I will keep going. But we got to get there, so I won't. Like, you understand? Like, there's, it's woven throughout the entire Old Testament into this moment. And then, of course, we have Jesus, who mentions that the helper, the counselor, the advocate is going to come in Luke 11, in Luke 12, in John 7, in John 14, in John 20. Just one verse I picked out for us tonight. And I will ask the Father, this is Jesus, and he will give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever. Isn't that good? That's good. He will be with you forever, the spirit of truth. The, word cannot, the world cannot accept him because it neither sees him or knows him, but you know him, for he lives with you and will be 
in you. That's John 14. Coastline Nights, I need you to see this tonight, that Pentecost, the day of Pentecost, needs to be put in its proper perspective. And it's not just tongues of fire. It's actually been this long, beautiful promise of the Holy Spirit being with us, he making his home inside of us. The Pentecost is about the long-awaited promise of the Holy Spirit that empowers us to live for the sake of others. That's what Pentecost is about. We don't want to minimize it or, or, or overemphasize one side of it. It's actually deeper than that. Pentecost is about the long-awaited promise of the Holy Spirit, which empowers us to live for the sake of others. That's what it's about. And I want to show you that in Acts 2. Are you ready? We're going to read Acts 2, verse 1. It says this. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly, a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit, and they began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Now, there were staying in Jerusalem God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven. When they heard this sound, a crowd came together in bewilderment, because each one heard their own language being spoken. Utterly amazed, they asked, aren't, 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 these all, aren't all these who are speaking Galileans? Like, then how is it that each of us hears our own native language? Parthians, Medes, Elamites, residents of Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, like Pontus and Asia, and the list goes on. Luke keeps writing. Amazed and perplexed, they asked one another, what does this mean? Some, however, made fun of them and said they had too much wine. Listen, I love this piece of scripture, and it's not because I'm a pastor of a Pentecostal church. It's not because I was born... My grandfather was a pastor of a Pentecostal church, okay? I was born on the pew of a Pentecostal church. Literally, crazy story. No, not literally. Some of you thought for like three seconds though. Um, like, that'd be weird. That'd be too much, too much of a, I'm talking a lot about babies tonight. My bad. Um, the pregnancy. Steph, I just saw you hosting. And you know, that's what it was. That's how it happened. That's how it happened. I love this chunk of scripture. And let me tell you why. I want you to see the beauty of the moment here. I think again, we read that Tongues of fire, we've seen maybe something happen at church, we're a little bit uncertain of it, and I want to just break this down. If you've ever felt a little bit like uncertain, um, uncomfortable, if you've ever felt a little bit like not skeptical, maybe is a good word about this whole piece, I want to just, I want to tackle it together. Because I think what, what's actually happening right now in this moment is beautiful. I think it's intentional. I think it's specific. I think God designed it this way very intentionally. This is not charismania happening here. This is intentional, God-given manifestation happening amongst believers that really not only enables their faith, but empowers others and begins to spread the gospel. Right now, for two main reasons, this is really important. Right now in Jerusalem, it's the biggest feast of the year. It's been 50 days after Passover. It's now the, the festival of first fruits. And it's where they kind of celebrated the wheat harvest. It's where the Jewish tradition would take a moment and teach and celebrate that the feast kind of at this time, during Pentecost, marked the day that the law was given to Israel. And so it's like, it's a beautiful time of the year. It's easy to travel. Everyone is coming. And like you see, so many people have shown up. Tons and tons and tons, Cretans and Arabs and from everywhere, Egypt and Libya, like people from everywhere, visitors from Rome, like Every single person, every single God-fearing Jew, every language, every tribe, every tongue has come into this moment right here. And they're, begin they're beginning to celebrate. And so again, every nation, every person, every Jew from all over the world, every language is represented. So of course, it makes sense 
that Jesus would use the gift of tongues in this moment to actually bring forth the good news of Jesus, the gospel. And I think, again, sometimes we're a little bit confused by that, but doesn't that make sense to the context? How about this? Also the fact that the Holy Spirit is consistently using ordinary people like us to do incredible, amazing things for him. And that's the truth here too. Uh, Galileans were not known for being able to be like eloquent speakers. It's a known fact actually. They were typically known as uncultured and poor speakers, which I think is all the more reason for people to be impressed by their ability to speak the different languages that they knew, their native tongues. In this moment, I read read one really great commentator this week. Galileans had difficulty pronouncing gutturals. And there was a constant habit of swallowing syllables and and words being lost when speaking. So they were often looked down upon the people of Jerusalem. So of course, again, here's two different places how, how we see this moment happening and two different reasons why it makes so much sense that the gift that Jesus, that the Holy Spirit comes as in this moment and manifests itself is the speaking of tongues. Again, I think we sometimes feel awkward about this, and I want to tackle it head on because in this moment, the Holy Spirit is empowering them. What may seem unusual to us, but in a beautiful, specific way right now that goes against their natural ability and shows the power of God in their life. Are you hearing me tonight? Like, this is, I think, really key. I think there's this big fear they may have had, but right now, in staying in Jerusalem, God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven. So again, of course, it makes so much sense. The disciples were waiting for this promised gift of empowerment. They weren't out doing ministry right here, guys. They weren't like in the marketplace, talking with people, rubbing shoulders with people, and and people come up and saying, hey, I I heard you know about Jesus, can you heal? That's not what's happening right now. That's not what's happening. They're not not, um, gathering people to preach. They don't need a word of knowledge or a word of wisdom. They're not looking for a moment of faith or miracles or healing. Right now, every person is gathered. They've been called to wait, and so wait, waiting they are. Like, I think that's really profound in this moment. And I think sometimes, if I can be honest, for any young adult in here specifically, we sometimes look at this and it just feels a bit challenging. And I think by natural reason, you can see how I'm trying to put this together objectively, that it does make sense. And it's interesting, too, because we believe in a lot of funny things. We do. Like, we have all sorts of funny beliefs in funny superstitions and things, and yet this feels odd to us. You know what I think is weird? Essential oils. I think they're, I don't get it. No, I'm serious. You have a cold, and you're like, oh, you know what I need? You know what I need for my throat? I'm just gonna sprinkle some lavender thieves dust on my pinky toe, and then if I just diffuse in here some grapefruit and citron, watch out, cold. We're gonna fight you. You know what I'm saying? Listen. I diffuse, relax. I'm just saying, it's so funny, right? Like, you, you, you've done it. You're like, <clears throat> oh my goodness, get me the lavender oil. Like, and I'm just like, really? Really, that's, strange. that's normal to us, but this, that's strange. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, I remember, the, like, I feel like I've, you get like your superstitions going into a test. Oh, I need my lucky pen. It's like, no, you're smart or stupid. Like, your test is going one way or the other, okay? You studied or you haven't. It's not the pen. It's like, oh, ooh, the magical pen, my quill. Like, I think you guys are, you know what I'm saying? Like, we believe in that, and yet, Acts 2, that's strange. Michael Jordan, the, the greatest, let me make sure, I'm, Michael Jordan, whom is, he is the greatest basketball player of all time, wore his college shorts underneath his, like, professional shorts every single game. Michael. You're just the greatest, man. Like, you don't need UNC shorts. Like, I don't, you know what I'm saying? Like, it doesn't make any sense, but we, we continue to do it. And I think, I think it's interesting. I'm not even kidding you guys. When I first started preaching, when I was just starting to learn how to communicate, when I was a youth pastor here, and 
I'd get up here, I'd be so nervous. I remember one time I preached what I thought was a good sermon in these specific socks, and I started wearing them every time I preached. It was like this subconscious thing, I need my lucky socks. Like literally, like look good, feel good, preach good, you know? And that's what, I'm not kidding, it's just like, it is interesting to think about the things we believe in, and yet here in this moment, when every person from every nation is represented, when Galileans aren't known for their ability to speak well, God would use the gift of tongues to empower them, embolden them, encourage them, and to bring a beautiful gift in this moment. And I think that's what ends up happening. Like, there's this beautiful peace. They say, like, how is it that each of us can hear our native language? They were amazed and perplexed. My goodness, Cretans and Arabs, we hear them declaring the wonders of God in our own tongue, the Bible says. What a beautiful moment of outreach to, by the Holy Spirit. And yet for us, Acts 2 feels odd. And I want to encourage you. Right? You know what? I want to challenge you. You can read up more on, 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 on gifts of the Holy Spirit in, in 1 Corinthians 14. Paul says a lot. I think it's, it's clear that there's no controversy. I think that God at least at one time has given the church the gift of tongues. I think the controversy is what's the purpose of it, which is a fair question, and we should tackle that more. I think there's this idea that it's a heavenly language for the believer. I think when it's done, it should be done with interpretation, like it is said. I will say often I hear preachers communicate that it only happened here in this moment because it was a feast, and I'm not sure that's a a, a great tackle of the text because, again, in this moment, they weren't preaching the gospel. They were just praising God. We hear them declaring the wonderful works of God. In this moment, it seems like these disciples had come together to wait It seems like God had given them this beautiful moment of empowerment, this gift, that the Holy Spirit had come upon them. They spoke in tongues, and in that moment, they are emboldened and encouraged, and they begin to praise God, thank God, speak highly of God, and it became this beautiful moment for them. Because again, Pentecost isn't just about tongues. It's, It's bigger than that. This moment was about empowerment. This moment, there was unity. This moment, there was order. It happened in a natural way by the grace of God, and in Pentecost, this, there was this moment of this promise being fulfilled. This promise being fulfilled. And the idea that, you know, now, like, Peter is so filled with the Holy Spirit. He's so ready to go on mission. He's so filled with courage and zeal and a desire and a passion. Here's what happens. This is Acts 2, and I'm wrapping up, I promise. We're getting to baptisms here. Acts 2, verse 14. I just, guys, I don't want to rush this. It's, about, it's Pentecost Sunday, and this matters. Then Peter stood up. Acts 2, verse 14, up with the 11, raised his voice, and he addressed the crowd, fellow Jews and all who live in Jerusalem. He says it so plainly, it's so powerful. I want you to hear this. Let me explain this to you. Listen carefully to what I say. These people are not drunk, as you suppose. It's only nine in the morning. No, this is what it was spoken by the prophet Joel. In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. Even on my servants, both men and women. Like he's really encompassing every single person there. I will pour out my spirit in those days and they will prophesy. I will show you wonders in the heavens above and the signs on the earth below, blood and fire and billows of smoke. The sun will be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the coming of the great and glorious day of the Lord. And Acts 2 verse 21 says, and Anyone, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Acts, Peter is, is so filled with the Holy Spirit. He goes and he preaches the sermon, and there's so much more that I won't be able to get to tonight because, again, we have other things to get to. 
but there's a boldness by Peter. There's an empowerment that's clearly changed him here. He's transformed, he's excited, he's fearless, he's ready. He keeps preaching, he says, therefore let all Israel, this is verse 36, I'm jumping down now, God has made this Jesus whom you crucified, both Lord and Messiah. Now he's like, he's, he's, there's, there's some conviction here, there's some real hardship here, and he's saying, the Bible says, when the people heard this, they were cut to the heart, and then they said to Peter and the apostles, brothers, what shall we do? And Peter said this, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. And those who accepted this message, I'm jumping down again, verse 41, were baptized, and about 3,000 were added to their number that day. It's a lot to read, Acts 1 and 2, but I need you to hear something tonight, church. That Pentecost is not just one church thing or this piece. It's bigger than that. It represents this beautiful promise that, that, that speaks in. And, and honestly, it's the Holy Spirit who brings transformation. And it starts the movement of the church. And, and any individual, any willing, humble person who waits on the Lord will be saved. And any humble person who waits and asks God to be Lord and Savior will be saved and be filled, will receive the promise of intimacy and closeness and empowerment of the Holy Spirit. And I don't want you to miss it. And I just want to say this as we wrap up here, and I'm going to show you, um, I'm going to show you, we're going to show you a video. And the video has more than just the people you're seeing tonight. It has people from all over, from uh, the, the 11, West Shore, a bunch of people will be in this video. I want you to see this baptism video as we close tonight. Because in the text we read tonight, people were saved and baptized. And there's something that happens when, when salvation happens. Ephesians 1.13 talks about how the seal, the promise of Holy Spirit comes upon our heart. And I want you to see what happens when the Holy Spirit gets a hold of someone. It's transformation, church. It's boldness. It's courage. It's excitement. It's love. It's passion. But I want to say to you first, I don't want to be anyone ever who, who is okay with just mundane. I don't want to just sit back and be like, I'm just, I'm satisfied with my, with my relationship with Jesus. Like, I want to, I want to push. I want to ask the Holy Spirit to come. I want to ask the Holy Spirit to do something in me that changes me from the inside out. That's why I love baptisms, because it's not easy getting up here. It's a bold step. It takes, it takes courage. It's like, man, I, I'm going to go in front of people I know and don't know, and I'm getting, going to get in the tank and the makeup, and all, oops, sorry, and the makeup, and all that stuff's going to happen, and it's going to be this whole moment. But friends, that's what it's about. This beautiful joy, this, this courage, this, man, you know what? I don't even care what people think. I got Jesus in my heart. I got the Holy Spirit working through me. That's all I need. And I love that. One thing I, um, I've noticed from Pastor Andy and different leaders that I follow and love is they have like these specific things they do repeatedly. And whether it's prayer or this, like I think it's Pastor Ron who, who says the name Jesus before he prays. And until he feels the presence of God, he doesn't stop saying Jesus. And he doesn't start saying his needs before he feels the presence of God. And, and I think for me, something I've learned is I want to use the terminology Holy Spirit more in my life. I think we like God and we love Jesus, but the Holy Spirit for some reason is like this third cousin twice removed that we put over here, right? And we don't, we don't really know how we feel. Yet when we talk about the Holy Spirit, I need you to see this, it's, he's... When Jesus references the Holy Spirit, he's talking about a comforter, an advocate, a counselor, a helper. This is a beautiful, intentional moment where the gifts of the Holy Spirit are coming on the disciples. I don't want to miss this stuff. I want to have this in my life. And so 
what I do when I wake up now before I go and make lunches or get Levi or do any of those things, I say three things and I just kind of repeat them to myself before I really move on with my day. And every day I try and do this. And it's Holy Spirit, fill me. Holy Spirit, show me. Holy Spirit, use me. And I just kind of repeat it as a prayer. And I'm just asking that the Holy Spirit would fill me for the day, for the moment, for what's ahead, for the day. I don't even know what's ahead. For every up and down that may come my way. Holy Spirit, show me how to live today. Show me someone to speak to. Show me someone to encourage. Show me someone who needs you. Show me something that's bigger than myself. I don't want to just serve me today. I want to serve others today. And, and Holy Spirit, use me. Like, really Really use me, fill me, show me, and use me. Push me into hard places. Shape me in different ways than anything possible. And I think if you would just take a moment in your own life, in your own prayer life, even tonight when you go home, don't turn on the TV right away. Just stop, wait, ask the Holy Spirit to fill you. Yes, maybe you'll begin to speak a heavenly language. Yes, maybe you'll have a, a word of knowledge for someone. Yes, maybe you'll just, you'll just grow in your faith. You'll be encouraged with what your next step is. But regardless, don't do life without the Holy Spirit. Like, don't just sit and wait and put it aside. There's something powerful here, and I don't want us to miss it. Okay, let me pray with you, and then we're going to watch a video. We're going to see people get dunked. It's going to be awesome. But I need you to hear this first. I don't want to move forward without asking the Holy Spirit to come. The oldest prayer of, of, of the church, I think it's Nikki Gumbel who says it, is come Holy Spirit. And I want him to come. I want him to speak to you, and I want you to, to sense his presence. And I want you to watch this video knowing full well the change and transformation that has taken place. And by the way, like Pastor Steph was saying, we're gonna stand up and worship with the team. And as people come up and get dunked, you can absolutely clap and holler. We want people to feel encouraged here. That's how we do it here. So Jesus, tonight we come to you and we say thank you for your work on the cross. Lord, thank you for your, your resurrection power. Lord, we thank you for all that you have done. But Lord, tonight, just really quietly and humbly, no music in the background, just... From the bottom of our heart, we pray right now, Holy Spirit, that you would fill us, that you would use us, that you would show us. God, would, you, would your presence be so clear, so evidently on our hearts? Holy Spirit, I ask that you would just, right now, break us down on the inside. Show us what you're doing. Lord, I pray that we would not be fearful in asking for a filling of the Holy Spirit. But Lord, we would rush to understand more of who you are, understanding more of the gifts that you have. Lord, we want power. Why? So that we can serve you and be your witnesses and love people well. That's what this text is about. And so Jesus, I just pray that you would continue to show us, um, continue to make your home here, Lord. It's, who you, it's what we want. It's our desire. And it's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. 